kicking down this motherfucking door, and we're doing that. Let's get into it. If there's anything that could be haunted, for sure that what? fucking chair's haunted. Then again, the internet always wins. The internet always wins. Searching around about uh, this dog I found. Let's be frank, there's piss on the floor. Okay, we're back with Three Dudes in a Dock, and uh, we're going to do something a little bit different this week at the suggestion of a amazing loyal listener. Uh, we are going to just give a little bit of background on the uh, documentary. So this week, uh, we are watching I Am Not Your Negro, uh, directed by Raul Peck, uh, written by James Baldwin. So basically, um, it's based on his unfinished 30-page memoir uh, that he was writing uh, before he passed. Uh, and uh, essentially tells his story, and uh, um, yeah. So basically, yeah, it's based on his 30-page unfinished manuscript for a novel, um, and it incorporates other avenues and writings by Baldwin uh, and expands on themes through archival footage. This was deemed Best Documentary by the Los Angeles Film Critics Association and took home the People's Choice Awards for the uh, Toronto International Film Festival, and won a Creative Recognition Award from the International Documentary Association. And it was one of 15 films included on the shortlist for Best Feature Documentary Oscar. Also, um, randomly, this happens to be um, Black History Month, so it is very fitting. Um, I'm also here with Christian. Hello. And Mike. Mike. Hey. No, your name's not Mike, is it? Mitch. You sons of bitches. <laughs> you didn't even hear me when we started this, and now you forgot my name, and you've known me longer. I'm just going to leave now. Yeah. Might as well. Might as I well. feel the oppression. No, oh, that, no. Don't, don't say that. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, so, yeah. So, given... So, I, I'm going to take a poll here. Which Did either of you know about James Baldwin prior to this? Yes. In, in, in depth? Uh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I would say so. Mitch? Not in depth. I shouldn't say that, but yeah. Mitch? No. No? No. And I felt like I should have. Yeah. Like, I, I knew him in a very, I knew about him in a very, um, surface, um, like I knew, if, if someone showed me a picture and said, which one of the, like, show a lineup and said, which one of these is James Baldwin, I'd be like, that guy. Yeah, yeah. I guess I was with with you on that one, Tyler. Like, very... Little, like yeah. just from mostly from like podcasts too, or like people just talking about them. I'm just like, how much of like this figure? So you're like, oh wow, okay, yeah. So and then yeah, he just has such a recognizable face. I tweeted it this morning, um, you know, my thoughts on the documentary, and uh, I said, you know, I, I'm kind of ashamed to admit that he he was such a a big figure. I think in in civil rights and um, in the black community, and you know. A little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I guess not naive, but uh, ignorant. Like I didn't know. Yeah, white belt. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know anything about him. Like I didn't know what he contributed. Um, yeah, yeah. You know that I mean, he, was, he he wrote a lot. You, yeah. And have that you he, read any of his books, Christian? Not his books, no. Okay. And that he was so uh, close to Malcolm X and. And Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, that I did not know. No, no, I didn't yeah. realize that he. It was like a, like a quartet that Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr., and Medgar Evers, uh, and James Baldwin were all alive at the same time. They all knew each other, whether they liked each other or not. Uh, it doesn't matter. But that they all, it was like a cohort of yeah. Activism. yeah. They all recognized each other. Yeah, yeah. I think Baldwin's contribution was. Um, I think like he had mentioned in the doc that he was uh, older than the rest of them. Yep. And that, that gave him a bit of, a bit of perspective. Uh, it, it maybe silenced him a bit more. Uh, like he, he was there to answer questions, but he wouldn't tell anyone what to do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a bit like a good teacher, like a good teacher allows you to, to manipulate things and to try this or that technique um, on your own terms for the sake of, 
figuring out how you fit into the situation right. or how you can affect it. And for him, I think that he saw himself maybe as more of a, a valuable participant in the form of watching and observing, but remaining present for um, like acting as a backboard to throw your ball at. Yeah. Cause I think that uh, I think a lot of people lose themselves in the heat of anger when they're involved in something. And that was maybe, that was maybe more like Malcolm X's role in this. And mm-hmm. like the reasonable measured approach was uh, Martin Luther King and, Medgar Evers, I I got to be honest, I actually don't know a lot about Medgar Evers yeah, even after same. the dog. Same here, yeah. Which is a bit of a shame, I guess, because like yeah. we, everyone knows MLK, everyone knows Malcolm X, but like if Medgar Evers was as important to this movement, which I believe he was, as Baldwin claims, then I I would like to know more about Evers as well. Sure, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll have to find a, uh, a documentary that. Uh, um, Talks about him and, and mm-hmm. we'll add it to our list for sure. I uh, think it was interesting when Baldwin was talking about moving to Paris and like why he did that just to like kind of get his head above water. And like he, he went there with like no money, but just in the sense of like, I can just kind of chill and I'm not always going to have like have to look on my around my back of like someone going to do something to me or question every move. Yeah. So you're it's like, wow, like that's a, powerful. Like, I wonder if Malcolm X and Martin Luther King did that. I feel it's like the perspective. I, I can't say that I know this exact one, but like a, a kid in a really um, turbulent household or like a disruptive household. Yeah. Just, they like they run away or they stay with friends a lot or they really excel in school because it's not home. Like there's there's a sense of suffocation in situations like that. Some kids yeah. find a fire like it's fueled by that situation, their energy. Some kids simply cannot cope and they have to leave. And maybe Baldwin was one of the kids who would um, grow and progress better outside the situation looking at it, whereas mm-hmm. maybe someone like Malcolm X thrived in the eye of the storm. Well, and that's what yeah. he, he kind of talked about uh, the two, I guess, the two big names in civil rights, right? Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, how they had very opposing views um, Malcolm X was saying, you know, the white devil, um, that, you know, not hate white people, but you know, that kind of adversarial view, mm-hmm. whereas Martin Luther King was like, no, like if they combat us with violence, we combat them with love, like show them that we are not the enemy, um, type of thing. It's so impossibly different. Oh to- yeah. yeah. Man, oh man. Um, but, uh, I- I'm glad we picked this one. When we did again, all our selections are literally random. Mm-hmm. We reach our hand into a, a fishbowl full of names. And, and I feel out. like that was one of my better ideas that I've put forward this for sure. Um, so I was looking back and uh, I think last week we said uh, that every February we've, we've had a, a documentary on, on civil rights, but uh, yeah, that's weird. Our, our, no, like, that's so it, weird it, didn't, it, it didn't quite work out like that, but. Oh, okay. Okay. Our first February, we did uh, Home of the Brave and mm-hmm. good, and Good Hair back to back. Okay, uh, we didn't have one last February, and then this February we do. Um, okay, so yeah, it's it's good timing. It's, it's fortuitous um, timing. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what was uh, the closest, um, uh, like contextually black documentary uh, in last year's. Uh, lineup or list yeah closest to black history month not that this is something that we're shooting for because it's it's impossible to shoot for something at random for sure uh, and and it's something that should be talked about all the time yeah there is no time for recognition um so yeah the shortest month of the year right isn't that strange man that's so fucked up yeah like that is like all right we'll get but and you're like you sons of bitches um so i tweeted out uh, this morning uh, after watching it um, I mentioned a Christian too before we started. Man, if if I didn't know it was Samuel L. Jackson narrating this, I would have had no idea. It oh, really? Not, it did not sound like him at all, in my opinion. It never mentioned yeah. his name either, so it never no. was like, oh, this is like the voice of Samuel L. Jackson as James Baldwin. Yeah. Well, you know, you know why that is, Tyler. Act. Because he, he never said motherfucker. Yeah. Because <laughs> if he said, mother, you would have been like, oh, that's Samuel L. Jackson. But but no, like it just you know his 
voice and raving, and he's a fantastic. Like he really does have range. Like yeah, like, all the stuff he's been in. Um, yeah, he just but he just has that distinctive voice and way of talking that's very recognizable. Yeah. Um, but going into this, I knew it was him, and even listening to it, I I had to second guess it. I was like, wait. Is his, man. is his narration later or is this what he's doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I made a bold uh, statement in my tweet saying, Oh, uh, bold sh- tweet will get you in trouble. He should have won a best uh, supporting actor or something for this. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it, it was so well done. Like, it, it, it brought you into the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it made you feel like, this was James Baldwin truly telling his story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, I love it, the old movie cuts that they put in. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like I was, I was like trying to figure out like some of the movies I knew and some of them, I was just like, Whoa, I kind of want to watch this movie. Like this seems crazy. Yeah. For good reasons and bad. Like some of the scenes yeah. were just so laudable. You'd be like, fuck, I'm never watching that. Like yeah. there's no value to it except for that. It it exists as a good example of what never to do again. Right. Or and just some, to watch that movie to be like, how did they get to this scene? Like what yeah, the fuck? Yeah. Is going like, on? Um, most yeah. of the Sidney Poitier movies I would absolutely watch. Um, yeah. Others though, just there's no, there's no use for it other than to say, oh, right. That's what they're saying. Don't do like uncle Tom's cabin don't watch that because it didn't even stand out as something remarkable except in the negative to James Baldwin. Yeah. Like he was like, this is a bad representation and I find nothing admirable about uncle Tom's cabin for me at least. So like, I'm not going to watch it again. I heard the book was way better. (laughs) I'll take this uh, recommendation from Baldwin for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just crazy to see like the way he talked about, you know, popular culture, uh, different movies, different mm-hmm. stories, uh, and related to, to the real life struggle, like like how sometimes like art imitates yeah. life, but then life reflects back directly. Sure. To, uh, mm-hmm. So just mentioning Uncle Tom's Cabin, like he said, you know, it was supposed to be portrayed as like Uncle Tom was uh, like this heroic figure who, mm-hmm. you know, kept silent to to save the rest. And he's like, no, that's that's not the right thing to do. You think shutting up is correct? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I um, see that. But see now, like again, I don't know much about Uncle Tom's Cabin. I just mm-hmm. know it's an old movie. I know it like was uh, a huge thing in um, people, and I think England reading it. And being like, whoa, this is like what slavery is, like the true nature of it. So it was a powerful book in getting slavery stopped. Yeah. I believe. Well, yeah. Um, it's just, I, I don't think, I don't think enough people reflect on pop culture or media and, and see how, like its role in, in how it shapes actuality. Yeah. Or, I mean, it's, or reality. It's, designed ever since sort of it no i was gonna say it like started but when the fuck did pop culture start like yeah. that's like cave paintings but whatever um but it's it's nowadays like since the turn of the century and the film industry really blew up it really is designed to be easy to consume and right mm-hmm. we don't question what is easy to eat you just eat it and then you you become nourished by it but it's like a garden it's like anything will grow in a garden weeds included so if you don't if you don't prune it and you really watch what you consume, you like you become what you eat or you, you grow what you allow to grow in yeah. your mind. Like if right. you eat Skittles all day, you'll get fat like me. But if you watch like fucking uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin and um, that, uh, the other one with the burning cross. Birth of a Nation. Birth of a Nation. Yeah. Like you're probably going to be a racist. <laughs> like it's or You watch the movie? No, no, as an example, like if yeah. if you only eat Skittles, that's also a bad example because you'll you'll die anyways. But like you'll get. I've fat. seen the commercial. Those kids turn into fruit. It's horrific. Precisely, but uh, like if you if you don't watch what you consume, um, in terms of media or entertainment yeah, yeah, or yeah. culture, yeah, yeah. Um, you will slowly be shaped by the culture, and it yeah. takes a really vigilant mind and uh, like ninety nine point nine nine. Nth 
percent of the time it's impossible to stay 100% vigilant because you just simply have to exist. Sometimes you just need food. You know that pork fat's bad, but like I'm fucking starving. So here I go, gonna eat pork fat again. Yeah. Sometimes you you can't help um, consuming the culture that you live in. Dude, do you think like groups of like white supremacists get together and watch, watch Birth of a Nation? Cause like it's a silent movie and it's really long. No, <laughs> I don't. I think they do, I, for real I do, but. No, for oh, humor. man, no, no way. Not. I don't think so. I think they're like, man, fuck this movie. It's- I think that they would somehow find the attention and will just to watch it because it. it's representative of racism. Yeah, so- they just skip to like the quote unquote good parts. Yeah. So <laughs> using your analogy a little bit, Christian, like I think it's kind of like the the um, Fox News sounding board that we have now, like mm. people who only want to um kind of live in that little bubble. Yeah. Watch it. And it, it kind of, um, it, it's like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like an echo chamber. Yeah. It's like yeah. a fe- feedback loop, right? Feedback loop. Yeah. So they hear it, they, um, take it in, they spit it back out and then it just keeps fucking going yeah. and going and going. The big part of it is that like Fox has eyes on these people too. So mm. like they give them what they want like they served them up the food they ordered. Yeah. yeah. So like, of course. Yeah. How great would it have been to have been an audience member in the Dick Cavett show when James Holy Baldwin shit. came in there and just dropped fucking bombs. Yeah. And when the one old guy, I forget who the old guy that he was debating. The, prof- the professor. He was, yeah, he was like, man, professor. listen, like everyone, every young man struggles. Yeah. And then James Baldwin's just like, yeah, but my struggle, you're actively fucking with yeah. me. Yeah. And then the guy just sits, stands there like, oh yeah. So, and like, the the professor made a good point that yeah we shouldn't have groups but it's a very naive yeah. oversimplification of life mm-hmm. yeah so if this was star trek i agree yeah he's like yeah we yeah. shouldn't have groups we shouldn't say these people and these people and these people like me as a flooring salesperson can't relate to uh christian as a culvert salesman like mm-hmm. it's just not the same but humans put ourselves in these groups. So yeah. therefore we have to realize that no, we don't live in a utopia where everyone says, Oh, I don't care what color you are. It's carpet salesman versus carpet salesman. Like we relate to each other that way. Yeah. Like, sure. That would be great, but life doesn't fucking work that way. Unfortunately, yeah. that's my biggest gripe. And it was unfortunate that he was introduced. If I remember correctly as a professor of philosophy. Yeah. Never heard of him before, never read any of his papers, but I mean, those jobs are not easy to get. But yeah. to be fair, he they, like Baldwin's point was about uh, administration and institutions sure. mm-hmm. representing the behaviors of the people that um, propel them. Yeah. That, like the U.S. government is not a, a personless entity that simply spits out rules like a computer. It's people. People uh-huh. do this shit. And yeah. so if the housing administration has racial biases, if the, like, the welfare system has racial biases, the prisons, private or government funded, have racial biases, well then what am I left to believe? I don't know anything about the people. That's true. But the people institute um, groups and organizations and political parties even public or government or private. So what am I left to believe when those institutions and administrations have like severe racial tendencies or biases against my people? I, I don't know the feelings of the individual person per, per group, but I do know the group behaviors and if they're racist, well, I'm only left to deduct. Yeah. So, yeah. And again, like, as someone who claims to be a professor and obviously he was, but like to have, like, I'm not a professor and I know, and and I'm not a person of color and I know what he was saying was a very oversimplification of the way life is. Like if I can see that Jesus, man, like someone of color, like that has to be extremely frustrating to hear. Well, imagine sitting yeah. In James Baldwin's chair, trying to tell these other men yeah. that you're a man too. 
How yeah, that's fucking fun. frustrating. That's yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. when Malcolm X gets angry, of course. Like, yeah. when Martin Luther King tries to rally people and puts his life on the line, of course. When James Baldwin sits in that chair and tries his best, and, like, there's there's sometimes no better thoughts than under pressure. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. Like that is the time, and he's an excellent speaker and writer. Oh, so like, absolutely, it's weird too it's when um, Dick Cavett was doing like his introduction or like a little monologue and says something, and it makes James Baldwin laugh. And he's like, "Well," and then Dick Cavett's like, "Well, I'm glad it's good to see you're laughing." So it's just weird that he's almost like, oh, "I'm putting you up here, and you're just gonna be an angry black guy." Yeah. Well, the, like the scales oh, okay. within that interview. I don't know who the woman was also on the couch, but. Um, like, so there was James Baldwin on one side of this and they have him speak and he's an intelligent, fluid person who lives this and who writes and thinks about it. And he makes absolutely incontrovertible points about it. Points so general and transparent that they really need not be said, but that's the point of him being on the show that night. And on the other side of the scale, they didn't just have like the head of the KKK, or maybe someone in the counter protest to civil rights. They had a random professor of philosophy. That's a strange weight. Like mm-hmm. that, that feels like it's meant to simply through title outweigh James Baldwin. Cause James right. Baldwin, American writer, John Lee Hooker, like a doctor of philosophy, like philosophy is so in fucking penetrable already that the word seems to spin people into some kind of mysticism that this person knows what I can't. Yeah. Not even that I don't, or that like when they say things, it's so accurate that I, I have to believe it. So even the title alone was meant to outweigh James Baldwin, yeah. who was just a name. But this person was introduced as a title. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's, I'm just going to go on a little bit of a spiel here. That's a huge fucking problem with the history of philosophy and how it has been done. This is something that I spend a lot of time with. Um, and it's, it's a huge problem. The fact sure. that philosophers are thrown around a little bit willy-nilly saying they, they have this imperative or they have that principle. But those were based on a lot of the time, super racist principles, uh-huh. um, axioms, propositions, thoughts, and concepts. When they think about the inalienable rights of man, and then Mary Wollstonecraft includes women to that, it was never black. It was never South American. It was never Chinese. Like this, this was for white people alone, and it was ammunition to their Second Amendment. And it was like it was ammunition to the first amendment the second one was really just a gun to protect themselves but that was written while sa- like slavery was happening so like who mm. are you protecting yourself from like atheists jews blacks and mexicans that's fucked like so when people deploy the name or the philosophy of a well-known philosopher like immanuel kant arthur schopenhauer karl marx or even no, I was going to say Mary Wollstonecraft, but she's a fucking saint. No, so these these big names, Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, Immanuel Kant, Schopenhauer, Karl Marx, Wittgenstein, Bertrand Russell, big fucking names. Um, they neglect to think that when those names were thrown around in their time, because they were popular in their time too, it came with the support of white supremacy. Right. 99% of the time. And that's something that... Nowadays we see, but back then they didn't see it because anyone who mattered, anyone who could vote is what I mean, um, supported it. That was ammunition to their gun of maintaining the status quo of white on top, black on bottom, or black's not on the list. It's just white on top. Nothing else can be said because everything else said beyond that is wrong. So like for this, for this interview that James Baldwin did on the Dick Cavett show, counterweighted with the title of a philosopher is um, not very nice. It's gross. Yeah. So I don't know 
a lot about or I don't know anything about the Dick Cavett show. So it, was it like a, a late night show, like say Jay Leno? Yeah. Or yeah. That? Yeah. But it like talked about, like, I think he like went into like all more news, all type of issues, more newsy stuff than yeah. entertainment stuff. Anything that I've seen from it, it was like kind of political stuff yeah. or just like when like the James Baldwin interviews. So it seemed like an interesting show that they're like, oh, this would so not fly today. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be like, they're willing to talk about this kind of thing. Like in yeah. the middle of the civil rights movement, they had James Baldwin on. Yeah. So like, that's a good step, but they maybe had him on for the counterweight to throw someone else against him. Yeah. He was a little mm-hmm. bit fodder, fodder yeah. for the movement. And, and he did well as you know, from what we saw yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. in the documentary. If it, yeah. If it wasn't a lapel mic, he could have dropped it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been sweet. You just unclips it. Like, <laughs> I'm fucking I'm out here. What else do I have to say? P.S. I'm gay. Boo. And they're like, <laughs> oh my God. So, we, Tyler and I briefly talked about this and it, it doesn't seem like a big point nowadays, but back then, um, the first one to die was, uh, Malcolm X. No, Medgar Evers. No. Medgar Evers. And Medgar then Evers. it was Malcolm X. And then it was Martin Luther King. I believe so. Uh, it was in yeah. an order excluding James Baldwin, but <laughs> you'd think yeah. back then, yeah, like he he maybe would be the first one. Yeah, I'm not, a Benton man. Like, yeah, not only is he like a black activist for civil rights, but he was also gay. Yeah. So like, yeah, top of the list, you'd think. And he was the oldest, so he'd been around he, the longest. And yeah, and you'd think you'd have like the most influence of being older or the most wisdom, and like going abroad. Yeah, yeah. And he abandoned yeah. America like Cat Stevens. Um. Now, hey and again, Why you gotta be like that? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, obviously, like I don't know in depth James Baldwin. Uh, I would like to know more, so I will be doing some reading. Um, I'm in uh, the recent alleged murderer related. I don't, what? I don't know who Alec, the alleged murderer is. Alec Baldwin, oh. bro. Oh Jesus, no uh, relation. <laughs> Although, sorry, I know Tyler, you were about to say yeah. something, but. Quickly, James Baldwin recognizes that in his history, he has white ancestors too. So when people come down on him simply for being black and he's he exists as an entity exclusive to that denomination in America, yeah, 100% not true. Like yeah. if you Like everybody? <laughs> yeah, like everybody is basically descendant from something they're visibly not. Most like most of the time that is the case that there's there's a lot of mixing going around especially like Europe North America. Yeah. Now and I was just going to say like I said I don't know in depth uh, James Baldwin but I, I don't know how openly gay he was back uh, back then. Um but uh I saw an interview uh when he I don't know what it was when he was working on some play and they in the interview, they talk about it, but yeah. I don't think the interview was ever aired because yeah. the thing on YouTube I saw was like the, it was like NBC or ABC or whatever, like James Baldwin interview. They didn't want you to see. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Oh, right. hmm, okay. But yeah, I mean, and I don't, he, I don't know who fucking posted it. So he was an absolutely powerful speaker. Like just listening to oh, him. Speak. Yeah, man. Um, That's what I was saying. Being in the audience. You mean like fuck yeah? Like oh. extremely articulate. Um, just like the way he takes his pauses, like it, it makes you kind of like follow along and and like yeah, I, I think I could sit there and listen to him talk uh, more more than most people. Like uh, yeah. So f- on yeah. that point, like for you guys and for anyone listening, there's a wicked uh, debate between himself and William Buckley Jr. He was the host of a show. I think it was called firing line. Yeah. Um, back in the sixties, he, uh, was essentially a moderator and he had two or three or four guests on. They would talk about a particular subject, but they would have, um, like there's one famous one about, uh, hippies they had on Jack Kerouac, a professor of sociology and then someone who was the editor of a magazine called gutter expletive <laughs> so like a hippie a professor of sociology albeit probably not a hippie and then 
Jack Kerouac, who was essentially a mover. OG hippie. Yeah, he was he was like the mover of the beat generation, along with yeah. uh, some others. But um, so like three generations of what encapsulates the hippie, like a beat generation progenitor, the analyst, the sociologist, and then an actual hippie who's like hardcore pushing the movement. Um, even even so far as to say that he's not himself a hippie, he thinks it's derogatory, but whatever. Yeah. But so oh, wow. they would do that kind of thing. I know it's a bullshit fucking argument, but Buckley Jr. would moderate these discussions. He would throw in his two cents once in a while this way or that. Typically there was a bias, but he's a, he's a great speaker, good writer, great host, maybe a little bit cutthroat at some time, but um, worth watching for sure, various episodes. But James Baldwin is in a debate with him at Oxford University over in England, and they cut to uh, a lot of his debate there in this documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. When, uh, when was he Cambridge, steps, wasn't it? Uh, I think it... Uh, no, I think it was Oxford. Uh, they did show some Cambridge stuff in the documentary. I, uh, I don't doubt it, because like he, he yeah. spoke a lot. He lived yeah. there for a long time. But um, this particular debate, I've, I've seen it. It's only about right. an hour. But if you want to know more about how James Baldwin thinks, obviously yeah. read his read his shit. But uh, watch that debate because yeah. it is fucking incredible. It's Damn. it's well worth the time. So it mentions in the documentary, like uh, Samuel Jackson reading, um, obviously the the unfinished manuscript. But um, it said he was writing a autobiography, or not an autobiography, but a biography for the screen about. Uh, Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Did that ever make it? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't recall. I don't know. I don't think so because the only Malcolm X movie that I know of was with, like with Denzel, the, right? Yeah. In the nineties. So maybe they just took his work. Yeah. And then I, I don't know. That's interesting though. Cause yeah, I, I forgot that they, that he said that. I've never seen anything that, um, Baldwin wrote that made it to screen or stage. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not fluent on that side of it. So what he wrote, what he wrote was, uh, there was a French, uh, uh, TV movie documentary called a stranger in the village. Um, a TV series, um, called quest based on a novel, another country. Okay. Uh, there's a TV movie that was a play from Blues for Mr. Charlie. Then Yao of the Jungle, Go Tell It on the Mountain, adapted from the novel. Uh, American Playhouse, Where the Heart Is, I Am Not Your Negro, and If Beale Street Could Talk. Mm. So, yeah. It would be interesting to to read even this 30-page manuscript. Yeah. Because it was, I think it was, it was read verbatim by uh, Samuel Jackson for yeah. this. Like when it says that this doc was written by James Baldwin, it, yeah. it tells me that they didn't really add anything to it. They yeah. may have left some sentences out, like some personal details, sure. but it really was just... Uh, Do you know if it's been published? I don't know about publishing, but made available. Um, I'm sure. Like you get digital copy, but... Something like that, yeah. Because yeah. how would Raul Peck have gotten his hands on this thing? Yeah, that's yeah, true. Know. It's definitely uh, in academia. It's definitely available because this is way too. Yeah, that means that like the original, like someone has the original. Yeah, I bet you. Or it's that's it's housed by a university cool. or something. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like it's it it exists somewhere. Yeah. Like that's so cool. Yeah, there was. Um, this is completely off topic, except for that it's it exists somewhere. But there was um, a manuscript. Think, I think it was Spinoza, uh, his one of the first um, transcriptions of his ethics um, was found recently, like maybe 15 years ago. I think a university out in Western Canada owns it now. They bought it and uh, are using it for analysis. Like, how old is it? Uh, probably 400 years at this point. Damn. Mm-hmm. Super fucking expensive too. They didn't break any records, but uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely thinking of the wrong book, but a Western university 
um, just purchased a really, really important mm. text because they're going to try and do some interpretations on their own. Oh. Yeah. So this is a strange segue that I did not see coming, but talking about education, I was listening to the CBC on the way over here and uh, it's, they're doing episodes uh, about black history month. And there's one episode today, a series, but there was an episode I was listening to called uh, black in the prairies. And a guy on there uh, was telling his story about how he was, um, like harassed uh, on his bike in public in the, like in the bike lane when he was just going to work. Uh, two guys in a truck were screaming at him like racial slurs and just completely harassing him. Cause he pulled out his phone and he was like started to record it. Cause it didn't just end at one slur. Um, he had time to like stop, pull his phone out, begin recording. And then you hear Jesus. this whole sl- like spiel against each other. Anyways. Um, but he was talking about how he was a little bit confused that everyone was saying like, Oh, this is like, this is a one time thing for sure. Like there's, there's no way that this sort of racism is uh, pervasive. It doesn't exist everywhere in small patches across the prairies. And so he was like, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure it does. <laughs> pretty sure that's bullshit. So he decided they call these kinds of people's, um, I think civil historians or like a public historian. I don't even know. seems like a bullshit term. Like this guy is just a historian. Like you don't have to identify yourself with the title of academics or not. But uh, anyways, so he, he went back into public records and revealed that there was uh, a woman in the prairies, I think in Edmonton who did exactly what Viola Desmond did uh, where was Viola Desmond? It was in Ontario, right? No, she was out east. She yeah. was out east. She was, from, she was from Ontario, okay. I think. So there was a woman, I think, like two decades before uh, Viola Desmond did her protest. Went to the movies? Yeah, she also went to the movies and she got denied. So she sued the theater and she like a lengthy court process uh, happened, but all these documents were... Uh, either partially destroyed or completely destroyed. He found out through like orders to destruct um, Damn. by like the city of Edmonton. So there was an active uh, push to make this event disappear on the yeah. record. And then it isn't taught in schools that that was made to actively disappear. And so he would just, he, he used the term gaslighting. He felt like growing up, like he's been completely educated to post-secondary in Edmonton and he never heard about this. He felt like he was taking crazy pills. So when Mm -hmm. this happened, like question marks abound because he thought that this was an isolated incident and he didn't know whether or not to believe that it was. So he did his own investigation and found that it's completely not. Damn. Growing up, it felt like no one like him had ever done anything ever important or anything at all. They didn't exist in Edmonton. We don't have to talk about it because nothing's ever happened. It's a hundred percent wrong that of course people lived there. Like, of course, black people lived in the prairies. They, they live everywhere. They're people. They're just like any other person. So the fact that it was deliberately removed from public record and deliberately neglected within education, it just, it speaks to a larger, a larger issue that you don't, you just don't, have the option to learn at will. Right. Yeah. You, you are taught what you are taught when you're taught it. And you don't, you're not also taught to try and learn for yourself. Cause even if you tried apparently with the destruction of some records, you can't even do that. So yeah. it just, it's terrifying to think. Dude, that. Imagine if like, like education, especially like in, the US or like I guess in Canada, how they were just like straight honest with like European, like English history and American history, those kids' heads would explode and be like, I cannot stand behind this flag. Like you guys have done so much fucked up shit. Yeah. Like this is crazy. Like I'll stand behind this flag as soon as we fucking revamp. Yeah. So that's why it's like, oh no, no, no. It's way easier to be like, that story never happened. There was this guy, he did this. This guy went in and chopped a bunch of trees down. We're going to talk about him. Yeah. There's this other guy that had apples. He's cool. 
and well, like because you can see uh, where this would go, right? Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, we yeah, know so this now, funny. and like we're starting to get a little bit heated and like revoltish. So imagine if uh, you teach yeah. a whole generation this shit. Oh yeah, we can't do the that. Establishment. I know that that's like a fucking rage against the machine term, but like the establishment as we know it would change completely in a single generation. Yeah, everything would be different, and I hope better. Well, and that's why it's so like for anyone uh, that's listening and following the news even slightly, we've had uh, big protests here uh, in Ottawa. Um, they have moved to our city as well um, mm-hmm. here, uh, but like that's the crazy part to me. Like we we obviously don't teach this enough in school because you have people there who are here. I'm I'm doing air quotes right now. Quote unquote fighting for freedom, which is bullshit. Yeah, they're holding up like signs that yeah. with like hammer and sickles, like saying well, they're in Soviet Russia. And like, no, you have no idea. They're holding up <laughs> Nazi flags, they're holding up Confederate flags. Like, for one, we live in Canada, we don't have a fucking Confederacy ever here. Mm. Um, but just obviously, people aren't being taught how bad uh, it really was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How bad it still yeah. is. Yeah. Not in um, a meaningful way. No. Uh, I mean, if if you Just can... history? If yeah. you can, as an adult, go out there and knowingly, in a country where there was no Confederacy, holding up a Confederate flag, at least the people in the States, they wrongly or rightly claim, oh, it's Southern heritage. Mm. It's also their history. So you're like, that's yeah. a completely different yeah. thing. There is no fucking connection <laughs> to the Confederacy these people in Ottawa holding up flags. And, yeah. you know, this is kind of straying away from James Baldwin a little bit, but but it, it, it's the importance of his story. Mm-hmm. Um, like, people need, kids these days need to learn this. I wish we had have learned more about this uh, in school. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't feel so bashful now. Yeah. Like, like, it doesn't feel good to be told these things by a documentary. Right. I wish that I I was the kind of person that already knew these things. Yeah. Yeah. Like no one has to tell me a goddamn thing about how to treat people. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, why is that the case? Yeah. Why, why do I still have to be taught how to be a good person to other people? Right. It feels ridiculous. Yeah. That's it's fucked up, but like adults just having that thought of like, oh yeah, they're people too. That's crazy. That's you're like, uh what? And you look back on it and and Men like James Baldwin, or not not just men, but people like James Baldwin, like Martin Luther King, like Malcolm X, how much different... Well, I mean, I guess if the world was this perfect place, maybe they wouldn't have been famous at all. Mm, we do um, documentaries about very different things. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> which is kind of sad that this needed to happen to make them famous, but yeah. but how much... How much more prolific would James Baldwin's writing have been? Like, if if everyone was on equal playing field, he would have had nothing to write about. No, <laughs> no, no, I'm but, just kidding. But would that, would but. he <laughs> would he have been um, like a? I, I'm I'm like a Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, yeah. Would would he have yeah. like yeah. just another good writer? Yeah, yeah. Hey man, was that a weird shot at the great Canadian? No, not at all. No, okay. like I'm saying, like if if yeah, I know, he would have just been like, prominent because another great writer, like because oh. <laughs> because he's he is a great writer, but yeah, again, you know, ignorantly, I don't know enough about him. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I mean, now you recognize that it, you have to accept that it's not a hundred percent your fault, but now you are accepting the burden of responsibility. Oh, sure, yeah, it's one of the biggest things about morality is that if you're fucking dumb. We, I'm including everyone in this. Yeah. I'm not singling anyone out. Everyone listening as well. That like, it's it's. Oh not man, you were singling me out, you son of a bitch. I was actually singling out Tyler. <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's not our fault that we don't know. But it is our responsibility now that we do know to incorporate that into our future. Yeah. That yeah. you can't help what you didn't know you were supposed to know until you know it. Like the glass doesn't break until the stone is thrown. A fucking terrible analogy, but like it just it it doesn't happen until it happens. But the most important part is that when it does, you do something with it. You don't just let it flow over you and then continue forward without it. That morals, like if if you don't 
No, if you grow up in a place like Alabama or the southern states where this confederacy was real, it was real everywhere. And I guess that brings it back to the CBC uh, program that I was listening yeah. to. It happened in 1980 for this guy when he was a kid in Edmonton. And it happened two years ago when he had a fucking cell phone and he pulled it out and recorded someone harassing him with racial slurs. Mm-hmm. So like the Confederacy was isolated, but the beliefs about sure. the Confederacy were pervasive. Right. No one was left out of those sentiments. Yeah. 150 years ago but yeah so like it's it's a responsibility now you can't feel bad for not knowing but you can feel bad later for not doing anything about it of course yeah Yeah. and which is why i think you know this stuff needs to be taught more in in school i think it's also um about that interview not interview the debate that uh baldwin and buckley had um they highlight a particular part of it in this doc when James Baldwin talks about uh, Bobby Kennedy saying, well, like great progress has been made for the black Uh man in America. And maybe in 40 years, I can even see a black president, which 55 years later it happened. Yeah. Damn close. But like, does that not speak to the idea of recognizing a problem? Well, and not doing anything about it. So the idea of progress, maybe if you're good in 40 years, you can be president as well once. So, and then you get the most white racist president immediately after yourself. Mind mm-hmm. you, you had two terms, but albeit still happened. But so the idea of progress should be kind of a dirty word after someone like James Baldwin or Bobby Kennedy or Samuel L. Jackson or us three here say it's ridiculous. A grown adult doesn't recognize people other than his ethnicity as people, particularly yeah. white people, not recognizing black people. That is tr- like traditionally ridiculous. It's worth my ridicule because it's fucking retarded in the most classical sense as well, that it's slow. It's slow progress personally or institutionally. Mm-hmm. So the idea of progress is a dirty word regarding racism because all you have to do is recognize their people end of fucking story yeah change everything now yeah it would have been such a powerful image i mean it already is a powerful image of i'm gonna forget the little girl's name that went to the first integrated school in little was it in arkansas little rock little rock yeah arkansas and how james baldwin said to the president like you should walk with her like that would be a powerful image and he's like no I don't want to do that. It's morally meaningless. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, that would be such a powerful image. Yeah. Well, like that's, that's exactly. Oh yeah. What James Baldwin said, like, oh yeah, our nation is represented. Like this guy's representing our nation. And this is what our nation just said. Like, yeah. yeah, Okay. And he didn't say it. He may have said it for personal beliefs, but he said it to maintain his image to the people he needs for his job. He didn't, yeah. Like maybe he would have liked to walk with her, but he knew that if he did, he wouldn't have gotten the vote he never got. That being said, he openly fucked with the CIA and how'd that turn out for him? Yeah, so good point. He should have taken that walk. <laughs> yeah. He was <laughs> fucked from the beginning. So like, just be a good person. Maybe his outcome would have came sooner had yeah. he have done that. Um, but no, yeah, absolutely w- would have been powerful. Imagine a white president. Well, obviously all presidents up until... Obama were white, but, uh, you know, walking with this, this uh, girl, sitting president. Yeah. yeah. Like that's huge. Um, yeah. Would, would people have still spat? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's crazy would, to think would of. Would you go to jail if you spat on Dude, in the sixties? The, the secret <laughs> service guys would have just beat the living fuck out of you. Yeah. White or black. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't like, you just touched them. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> that's biological warfare. Yeah, and you're not a woman. Like, get out of here. Yeah, you're obviously a communist. He only interacts with ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a scary documentary. It's it's not easy to watch, but yeah. it is um really really well done. It's yeah, it was yeah, it was done amazingly well done. Should be watched in like schools for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, even yeah. the, even like the music along with it, uh, the editing, everything uh, was uh, was really well done. Oh yeah, um, pretty sad that it didn't win an Oscar. 
Yeah, it was. It didn't even get like the short short list. It got to like the twelve or fifteen. Fifteen. It was oh, uh, on the fifteen uh, short list, I guess. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just like again, it wasn't obviously an on-screen performance, but um, Samuel Jackson's voice did something phenomenal for for this documentary, mm-hmm. um, and and he needs to be recognized for that. Um, I guess like. Um, one more thing. I was I was gonna suggest that we contact um, this poet, and I I really wish that I could remember her name. Maybe while I'm talking, look up the poem Tusk uh, or Tusks. But um, there was a poem read by uh, the podcast playlist team. Well, it was it was read by the poet herself, but uh, it was on the podcast playlist a couple of weeks ago uh, in the evening, and it was about uh, a woman's grandfather, I think. Maybe even, maybe it was great-grandfather. Um, she wrote a poem about his experience as a black person and her experience trickling down from that. And it was uh, moving. It was incredible to hear. But uh, I was going to suggest that we reach out to her today. But uh, then I thought maybe... It would be better to let people uh, experience this on their own. And then I thought, well, we could just read it ourselves, but I don't think that that's how this one should go. But uh, yeah, if if we can't find it, maybe we'll just tweet it out afterwards. Yeah, but, I can't uh, find anything about it. I think it was called Tusks, because a, a point in the poem was that elephants don't grow. Some Some elephants are beginning not to grow tusks now, because that is what makes them poachable by poachers. Whoa. So... Um, black people don't act. I'm gonna fucking butcher this. Let's just leave it there. I'm not. But I, get what, I get what you're getting at. Yeah, that like, some elephants uh, don't grow tusks because that is what makes them poachable. But anyways, it's hey, uh, why do you have to compare black people to elephants? It was not me. It was the poet. totally kidding. <laughs> but trying to get the laugh. But yeah, um, could you tell the laugh was strained? Yeah, like, why did you say that? No, don't, don't um, do that. No, it, it, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna do something with that poem today, other than just uh, go shoot, it. shoot an elephant or two. Yeah, I was gonna write it on blanks of ivory. Those tussless bastards. <laughs> like, oh, that was a female. Shit, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's um, it's a point in time to watch this documentary. Absolutely. Well, and again. It, Unfortunately, it's still so relevant today. Yeah, it's um, disgustingly relevant. Yeah, that's what was frustrating about this. Like the shit that James Baldwin says. You're like, oh, yeah. And oh, that's literally a point that people still say today. And nothing's really been done well, about it. So ju- like, oh, just when it, sh- when it showed, um, you know, all the, the young black men that have been killed, Amir Rice, uh, Trayvon Martin. Uh, yeah. So it was showing footage from... Um, police kneeling on uh, a black woman's neck um, like 50 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, that happened, what, two years ago now uh, yeah. in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, like, nothing is really changing. So I guess I, I saw that you just drew our next documentary, but I was thinking about this and I had brought this up a couple of weeks ago for something completely unrelated, I think. But... Um, the idea of an LED screen uh, meant as a billboard is just a series of lights that flash right. a color or another um, in sequence, but the lights don't move and it, it tricks you into thinking that there is movement that nowadays we believe that trail of lights moves across the screen like a snake um, eating all the berries in that game. I think it's called snake, yes. but um I was I was thinking about this in regards to that exact point that 55 years ago there was a woman who was having uh, her neck kneeled upon by a white officer, um, potentially to the point of like irreparable damage or potentially death. Uh, I don't know about that particular case, but so 50 years ago there was a woman with a cop kneeling on her neck, and two years ago George Floyd had his neck kneeled upon to death that's 
no different. And this is not about the documentary th- the 13th, but this is where the idea comes from right. that uh, the 13th Amendment says no more slaves except has prisoners. Yeah. And that got abolished. And then, well, it didn't really exactly get abolished, but uh, the idea of slavery emancipation happened in 1865. Then that wasn't good enough. Then Jim Crow was instituted in uh, like 1895 or 1925, uh, some years later. And that wasn't quite good enough for the, like the general population. It was a little bit too obvious. So then the civil like segregation happened. Jim Crow was outlawed. It was changed. Segregation was implemented. Um, and that wasn't good enough either. So the civil rights movement happened and then it was the war on drugs. And now it's private prisons and whatnot. It, it, is the same fucking shit. Mm-hmm. Just modernized. Nothing yeah. changes. It's an LED screen that tricks you into thinking it's moving, but it's not. It's a new light. Nothing moved. The light went out and another one lit up a different color. It's still a light. It's still on the LED billboard that tells you what's going on, but cops are still kneeling on their necks to death. They're still in prison at a way fucking higher rate than non-whites or non-colored. Non-colored. Yeah. So from 1865 to 2022, like the LED light board is still displaying the same thing, but it appears as though the image is moving. It's not. The lights are changing, but they're still lights. And they might be a different color now, but they still light up for you. And it simply has not changed. It's, it's an illusion that this is changing. Generation to generation, it, it has to change somewhat to just look different to whoever is alive at the time. But in actuality, does it change? Not enough. It doesn't change enough to, to mean that we're done now. But it, it looks as though it changes and that's that's concerning. Your call to action just bummed me out. Oh, my call to action <laughs> was about the moral thing, but it's <laughs> it, um, no, it's just it's it's a good. I feel like it's an analogy. Yeah, it is can, true. It's just like oh yeah, that's fucking crazy. That even though even though it looks like it changes, like oh no, we're not like there's no more slavery and there's no more Jim Crow, there's no more segregation, there's no more war on drugs. But why is the problem here? It's because it no. wasn't supposed to go away in the first place. It got just, a new name. It just it just got a new name. It needs to look different. It needs to sound different in your mouth for you to be okay with it because we can't look at ourselves closely enough until a couple of decades have gone by. And then we can look back and say, oh, well, it really was the same thing, but it's it's rare anyone can say anything about the times they live in. So... Uh, as a segue into our next documentary, um, this kind of it kind of hurts me right now. To so, this one's called uh, it's a, it's a French film called, and I'm I'm not French and I don't purport to speak French, but give it a try. Visage, village. Visage, village. In English, it's faces, places. Oh, this sounds like there's no narration. It's just an art film. Um, yeah, no, it so is French. It's uh, uh, so director Agnes Varda and photographer muralist J.R. journey through rural France and form an unlikely friendship. Oh, yeah. um, but the part that hurts me, how we were saying that, you know, it's really sad and disappointing that this movie didn't. Um, so I'm not your Negro didn't uh, get nominated for an Oscar. Oh no! In the same year. This was nominated for an Oscar. This is a 2016. So, I'm not your Negro would have been the 2017 Oscars, oh, right? Yeah. Uh, and and this is a 2017 Oscar nominee. Jeez. This is just about like two French people becoming friends. Uh, yeah. So it says. Oh wow. There's a piece That's of riveting. trivia. It says with her nomination for best documentary feature at 89 years old, Agnes Varda became the oldest person nominated for any competitive Oscar. Wow. They were just stoked she finished it. Yeah. <laughs> so pat on the back, but not too hard. Yeah. So yeah, that kind of bums me out a little bit because wow. this 
I Am Not Your Negro is such an important movie. Yeah. Such yeah, a well- so are all the white women. Such a well-done movie. <laughs> and it got shortlisted, but not nominated. Like, this yeah. better be a fucking phenomenal movie. Mm-hmm. I better forget it. about this week's movie. In yeah, comparison. but you know what's funny? Is it's not going to be. It's No, it's not no, going to be. of course it won't be. They're just going to drink wine and probably be by the seaside and just be like, man, France was awesome. And if she's that old, she'd be like, when I was a kid... There was these dudes called Nazis, and they sucked. <laughs> Wasn't this fun? Yeah, um, so I may have had sex with fun of Sam. On, no, that was on the fun, movie, but... uh, on the po- poster, it says Magnific- "magnificently funny, moving, funny, and altogether wonderful." Agnes Varda, no. Varda and Gia are screen screen duo for the ages. Wow, this lady's eighty. There's no way she's like super super funny. Living it up, yeah. Unless she's like sitting there shitting her pants and like farting all the time. Like this lady's awesome. Smoking cigarettes. She yeah. is a. With like the cool old like French extend thing for the cigarette. I don't know what those are called, but. Oh, yeah, yeah. She is and, one like, of the. French hat. One of the leading lights of France's honored French new wave cinema era. Oh, we need to recognize that. Yeah. yeah. So. New wave and she was like 89. Well, Friends is very old. well. I, I assume New Wave went when she was younger, in the twenties. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I really hope this next one is is really good because uh, if it was nominated and I'm not your Negro was not, I mean, again, it just goes back to everything we've said during this episode. Yeah, yeah, it does. Okay, fellas, we will be back next week. Uh, same bat time, same bat channel. Nice. Woo-hoo. Au revoir. Later. Thank you.